0: Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans.
1: From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
2: Manafort under surveillance. CNN has learned that investigators wiretapped former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort under secret court order both before and after the 2016 election and that surveillance continued into this year including a period when manafort wasn't working for the campaign but was known to talk with president donald trump
3: United states basically Birthed the United Nations, and every American president since then has at least paid lip service to this notion of bringing the nations together uh, under the aegis of the United Nations. This was very different. He said something, frankly, uh, that that Vladimir Putin would have said, no question about it, when he said that we do not expect diverse countries to share the same cultures, but we do expect all
0: nations to defend ourselves and our allies. You could read that possibly to even open up uh, a justification. For, For preventive war against North Korea.
3: Uh, That is a potential justification, but the words totally destroying a a nation of 25 million people, uh, that borders on the threat of committing a war crime.
2: Uh, And that is going to be the last word for us. Look, this wasn't a speech. This was a sermon. And he wasn't a president, he was a preacher up there, given his dark world view uh, about threats and conflict. This was a speech about conflict. Around the world, not a speech about cooperation, and that's a real shame. I do think um, th- there is a bit of a contradiction uh, in, in 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 his presentation today, talking about sovereignty, uh, talking about a renewal of spirit for all of these nations, talking about uh, nations needing to be patriotic. I imagine if you talk to uh, folks in Venezuela, you talk to folks uh, in North uh, in North Korea, they imagine that they are being patriotic, right? Almost trying to teach himself at an eighth grade level about you know basic sovereign multinational issues, but I agree completely. Uh, th- this was uh, th- 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 this was absolutely very stark, uh, uh, very absent of any of the normal universal values and mutual cooperation that we try to seek in these international
3: bodies. Well, well Wolf, I thought that was one of many examples of how intellectually confused, if not outright, it- J. Trump of all people. Back to this use of the words sovereign and sovereignty. Did you did you hear a buzzword or a dog whistle in in his uh, repeated use of that word?
4: Yeah,
5: we knew he was was Going to talk a little bit about that because they had given us a little bit of a preview, no words or anything. But so we were sort of expecting this theme, but it was just way more, it was just over the <laughs> top. It was, you know, it, it caused me to go back through and count how many times. And so he, he used that word sovereign or sovereignty 21 times. Wow, it was, it was definitely the word. I mean, everyone, so what took, does that mean? Everyone took Rocket Man, but I, I addressed before the UN General Assembly. What's your gut? Well, my gut is I'm glad he went uh, and that he actually uh, spoke some positive things about the United Nations. I think it was actually two speeches. One in which somebody had written about the history of the U.N. and the importance of it, and the other uh, written in a way to be much more nationalistic. I think kind of going up and talking about America first uh, in that location, and then having listened to many...
6: It's the same old, same
7: old situation. It's the same old, same old ball and chain. Yes, it is the same old situation. Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast, 24th September, year of our Lord, 2017. I had like a 10-minute soundbite of them freaking out about the U.N. speech. But why waste your time? It's the same old shit. And I found a bunch of songs called Same Old Shit, but they were all rap songs. So I didn't play it. Going to be a quick podcast today. Got a lot to get done on my to-do list. The wife honey-do list is rather long this weekend. And it is a Sunday, but I wanted to get one knocked out. So uh, for the foreign coverage of the U.N. speech, because there's no reason to even talk about the U.S. coverage. We know what it's going to be. The media hates Trump, it's the worst, most vitriolic, he's a piece of shit, you know, by the end of the week they were siding with old Kenny over there, because they like him better, but anyway. He did draw applause from UN blasting Iran's murderous regime, he drew applause from Chamber saying we cannot abide by an agreement if it provides cover for the eventual construction of nuclear war. Other leaders did, but most of the world's leaders just boycotted the fucking thing, because our... Media is so hard on them that, you know, fuck it, they won't. But the most important part is by the end of the week, China got on board for sanctions. That is a big step. And that's a big win for Trump. But you're not going to hear it because our media is too busy siding with North Korea or anybody else that opposes Trump. Which is just fucking sad. Sorry, I had to get a drink. Should have paused it, but it's early. I need coffee. Ben Rose chimed in. Trump threatened to kill 25 million people in tens of thousands of Americans, the UN mooch, and spicy or interesting stars. BB loves it. Javid Zaraf Trump's ignorant hate speech. Mark Jacobs. Still sponsoring the Holocaust Denial Cartoon Contest? Because that's who that guy was. Susan Glasser, president just threatened to totally destroy another country. RBE, take a moment to reflect on someone's caring about Kim Jong-un's feeling. Yeah. Then they freaked out because he's a non-drinker. And all these blue checks. Katie Turr, Annie Carney, Jennifer Jacobs, Ellison Barber, Dylan Stableford. Oh, it's so odd he took a drink. We're back into, he has two scoops of ice cream. That's how pathetic our media is. New Republic, Donald Trump is a new Gaddafi. Yeah, they went there. Feinstein, Trump's UN speech greatly escalates the danger we face from Iran and North Korea. Ben Shapiro nails it. Obama gave pallets of cash to Iran, plus a path to a nuke. He did nothing about North Korea. Nothing. Nothing. Then Ben Rhodes came back in again saying he's alienating us from the rest of the co- world. Momo, who now goes by Mostradamus. Look at Ben defending the Iran deal. Hilarious. Jim Acosta. UN speech was a lot of Trump tweets strung together, saber owling, but no clear doctrine threats of confrontation around the world. Gary Catblum, If Obama gave that speech, you would be kissing his ass, calling the speech the greatest in history. Enough bullshit by you. Then they got on him because he said the following the problem is Venezuela as well is not that socialism has been poorly implemented, but that socialism has been fully implemented. And he's right. But Brian Fallon got on board, said, Oh, it's fucking horrible. And then we went into Jennifer Jacobs, North Korea's Kim Jong il. I was surely and definitely tame that mentally deranged U.S. doe with fire. Didn't like Trump's speech. All the what a perfect world. Perfect. As I've said before, Trump is making all the right enemies, is what the right said. But Chelsea Handler, uh, Kim Jong's letter, to Donald Trump is a little bit more sane than Donald Trump. Maybe we trade. Even lefty said, "I'm no fan, but this is weapon grade stupid." Mm-hmm. And it goes on. Dale Loesch, the people who accuse Trump of being a dictator, are praising Kim Jong Un right now. Let that sink in. Kev Miller. Yep, let that sink in. People are nuts. Let's praise a dictator that promotes child labor and sex slaves. R.M. Huffman. Trump, Trump derangement syndrome isn't hyperbole or exaggeration. He's broken these people's minds. And by the end of the week, I truly believe that's the fact. He has broken the left. They are broken. They are citing With a brutal dictator. But, as we've shown on the podcast for you resistance members, go back to Reagan. They sided with Russia. They have sided with everybody. They sided with Saddam. They didn't support the war in Afghanistan. They helped promote the war in Iraq and voted for it, but then they didn't support it. As I've said numerous times, Numerous times. The enemy within is worse than the enemy outside. And the enemy within is progressivism. Then Obamacare repeal came again. Once again, McCain, who ran on repealing, decided not to vote for it. Because now he's a liberal. Or he likes the... I I think he wants the good press from the left before he dies. That's my assumption. Because he has brain cancer. And I don't mean to speak ill of a person that's in critical condition or with a terminal illness. But when Cher, Rosie, Jimmy Kimmel, Paul Begala, Anna Navarra, Planned Parenthood call you a great guy, you're fucking up by the numbers. To start a closer loop, we'll talk about the CNN wiretap. Um, this, this is an example of the past six months. CNN politics, Trump's baseless wiretap claim. That was in, uh, March. In September, Donald Trump just flat out lied about Trump Tower wiretapping on the 18th of September, exclusive U.S. government wiretap Trump. <laughs> Woo! But you're not seeing a lot of it. James Wood tweeted that. He said, these are so sweet, read from the top to bottom. And he's right. He's just right. It's, it is unbelievable. And it's not front page news. And it's not important. At all. They're they're still going over UN speech and dumb shit today when I turned on the Sunday shows. To the Emmys. I wanted to cover this because I'm kind of done with it, but... Uh, James Woods, I know and love Dolly Parton. We worked together for months on Straight Talk. She's great, loyal, standard American. They sandbagged her. She's a very sweet person by nature, I'm certain. She was so caught off guard. She was literally speechless. And I want to make sure you understand, the reason why I cover that is Dolly Parton was no fan of Obama, but you didn't hear it. Because she has class. Whereas the left has no class. When you disrespect their president, you're a racist-ist-obe-something. But they disrespect every conservative president there ever is. And, and Trump's not even a conservative, but I mean, I'm just saying, if it isn't their party, they kill him. I was trolling for Hillary book news, which I'm going to read some of the... I got way too much today, so I'm not going to read them all, but I got a lot of the uh, reviews. And then I found this.
6: My life saw, take back my life saw.
7: That is an actual tweet from Hillary herself from a Chappaqua bookstore. Chappaqua bookstore. And she said, I just love this. It's a bunch of little girls pirouetting and reading and dancing interpretively with Hillary books. Different Hillary books. Just not the new book. Um, it It's a fucking cult. It's just a fucking cult. And as of yesterday, I've had 50 likes or retweets of my personal personal Twitter account. Where I said, Clintonites, Bushies, and Obamaites need to go away. We need real leadership. Hashtag cult. It was the number one on the thread. Because a lot of people don't follow Hillary anymore, so they didn't even fucking see it. But as of the 21st, when I looked it up, she'd sold 300K books. She's top one on USA Today, liberal site. Top five on New York Times, which surprised me. Barnes & Noble, number one. Amazon, number one. And with the reviews, here's a five. Excellent author, writes a political mystery just as she does in interviews. She intertwines facts and studies in her narrative. Another one. I am so glad I got this book. The horror of waking up on 11-9. Well, with the election result was eased a little with this book. Pulling the curtain back helps us all understand. I still say, hell yeah. Fantastic read. Goes on. She's the ba- best ever. I'm reading this book right now. This is the person I've long known from a distance. The real Hillary speaking from her heart and making me cry a little. Hey, I'm not reading that one. Next one. What happened to her is what happened to us all, not just in the U.S., but the world. We all lost out. And it goes on to say she was the greatest thing in the FBI. Sucks. Another one. Try again. I put a review on this site. Yesterday, I was a negative review, not nasty, but negative, and I bought the book from Amazon. It was deleted. This is very poorly written book and nothing but a Trump bashing. She lost and needs to come to grips with that. Writing negative books and Amazon deleting negative reviews is not going to get her elected. The whole concept of democracy is evidently lost on Hillary and Amazon. I ran, therefore I should win, is not how it works. Simply because her last name is Clinton does not give her the right to be president. A lot of people have lost presidential races. You don't see anyone whining in books about it. In this book, she has shown she is not mature enough to be president. It still has a four-point name. And I can read for days. Uh, one that I thought was hilarious was a two-review. Like everyone else who wrote a real review before deleted, this book sucks. It really sucks. It really, really sucks with the picture. What happened? Hillary, Ron, and Clinton. I happened. It happened with a picture of Trump. And I, Another one. At first, I felt all the negative views of this book was just right-wing hate speech. I'm over halfway through the book, and it's almost laughable to the point that part of me thinking it's satire. Hillary Clinton is either a marketing genius who knows that people are going to buy this book just to get angry, or more likely, she is completely oblivious to reality and how the average American views her. I don't like Bernie Sanders, but after having to endure the DNC email scandal for her attack... On him and having the attitude that he should genuflect at the Clinton altar is offensive. Clinton's attacks on the press in this book are out of line. No rational person can honestly say with a straight face that the mainstream media wasn't actually pulling for her, and in some cases, doing whatever they could to get her elected. Respect is earned, not given. Hillary Clinton will never be effective leader until she learns that lesson. And it goes on and on. And I'm not going to read anymore. But it's it's just it is unbelievable, unbelievable. But the media still loves her. Jennifer Epstein, who wept and prayed on 11-9. Hillary Clinton on Colbert says she's trying to be a Paula Revere on Russian influence on U.S. politicians. Paula Revere. She's given herself her own nickname. HuffPo won't read it in its entirety. What should have happened in Hillary Clinton's useless book, an artless and inauthentic memoir written by the absence of Clinton, and he goes on to break down how she couldn't even come out and say goodbye to her people and say she lost, and it goes on about how vague, how crappy this book was, and closes Clinton's story deserves something better. She got the gen- genre wrong. This shouldn't be a memoir or a self-care guide. It should be a piece of tragic theater. Clinton is a creature of hubris, an Icarus, or a Patheon. She wanted power. She fought hard for it, and she nearly had it. But then she met her double and her opposite. Every Hamlet needs a Fortin bra. That's hot, Poe. That's reality.
0: The world's biggest sports network, ESPN, is in the crosshairs after Sports Center host Jamil Hill tweeted that President Trump is a white supremacist. Hill prompted new conversations about whether the U.S. president is a racist. So why did this particular tweet back on Monday, made on Hill's personal account, catch fire and become a week-long story? After all, she's not the first to call Trump a racist or a white supremacist. And this is far from the first time members of the media or news outlets have questioned Trump's um, complicated relationship with white supremacy. You can see these recent magazine covers all published in the wake of the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia. There's a couple things going on here that we should be honest about. Number one, this controversy gave conservative media like rival Fox Sports, ESPN's wannabe rival Fox Sports, the opportunity to cast ESPN as the liberal enemy. We also saw President Trump and his White House press secretary, Sarah Sanders, addressing this controversy, being asked about it. It seemed the White House embraced this fight, perhaps another example of media bashing. So there's a lot of dynamics at play here, including ESPN's social media policies. And we're going to get into that with two top newsroom leaders. But maybe we should call this what it is. It's media bashing of another color. Let's bring in an all-star panel to talk about this. Uh, Britt McHenry is a journalist who used to work at ESPN. Uh, Wes Lowry is a national reporter at The Washington Post, also here with us at CNN. And Christine Brennan is a sports columnist for USA Today and a CNN sports analyst. Uh, Great to see all of you. Christine, first to you, is there something just uh, petty about this, that uh, a single tweet, part of a tweet storm uh, by Jamil Hill uh, while she was fighting with people on Twitter on Monday, was picked up by Fox and other conservative outlets, turned into an uproar and caused a week-long story? Is there something kind of competitive going on here? Oh, I'm sure there is. I mean, this is the world we live in.
7: I could never expect that guy to be on the right side of anything. And that was Brian Seltzer from Reliable Sources, which are neither reliable or a source. Left-stream media rallies around ESPN, symbol of truth, Jamel Hill, bash of Trump. And this goes down to break down all the different media people, including all the pundits, and, more importantly, ESPN figures over and over saying, How right she is. How awesome she is. And by the end of the week, he had criticized the NFL and the referees. And from fucking Goodell down, all the media on the sports side is covering his responses to bashing Trump. For the record, if you want your ratings to improve, shut the fuck up over there. Because you're going to get killed. But I got to close... On Kurt Schilling, who says ESPN's an openly intolerant liberal progressive group of people. I've been saying this since I started the podcast. I believe podcast five and we're on like 218 or something like that now. I think we're on 218. Yeah. Five. I said it's uber liberal. And over the course of the last year and a half, they've lost viewers, they've had to lay people off, they're getting hammered in the ratings, the NFL's joining them because they keep forgetting who their audience is. It's not the liberals who watch sports. They're all into soccer and fucking going out and protesting. That's their sport. Keep it up and you'll have nobody watching your shit, buying your jerseys, or giving a fuck about sports center Our tweets of the day today is just one thread. It's very serious, so there won't be any glitchy tweet of the day. I found this and was shocked. What follows is a raw unfiltered, and heartbreaking thread. Please read. Please, please read. A girl has no name. goes by at M-E-L-L-E-C-O-N. Long personal graphic rant. Feel free to ignore. My friend and I walk into a clinic. It looks like a regular clinic. The lady asks us at the desk what we want. Pregnancy tests. We both say at the same time. We both pay $10 because PP is not cheap. Both, both of ours are positive. We both knew it. I knew I'm about three or four weeks along. My friend is crying. I'm not. I love the father. We're like Romeo and Juliet. He's 20 and I'm 16. My parents have kept us apart now. They can't. The nurse asked me first what I plan to do. I put, puff out my chest and say, I'm keeping it. Do you have a prenatal care? The nurse states, no, unless I want an abortion. They have no other services for me. She turns to my friend who's still crying and says, I want an abortion. The nurse says to me, there's nothing else to be done, so you can leave. My friend allows me to stay. I sit for an hour and a half while nurses spend five minutes going through procedures and rest trying to brainstorm why my friend, with my friend, how she will come up with a $400. Let that sink in. We take care of these people for $400. I rush home. I call the man who loves me. I say, we're pregnant. We can be together. He screams in the phone. Fuck, get rid of it. Your parents already threatened me with statutory rape charges. This is proof. I don't want it, and we're done. I'm stunned but defiant. This is my baby. I can do this. I'm already in love with it. I'll find a way. I know that I need to tell my parents I'm to get them on board to support me. So that night I sit down. My father's oddly quiet. My mother's not. I was pregnant at 15. I can't have a 16 year old pregnant daughter. God, how could you embarrass me? Mom, no, I'm keeping it. Mother says you're an immature slut. You're not even half as mature as I was at your age. My mom has a way of cutting me down to size and she's right. I'm immature. I thought he loved me, but I already love the baby growing inside me. He is due June 8th. Me. Then I'll give the baby up for adoption. My liberal dad snorts. Nobody wants a mixed baby. Your baby will languish in foster care. Is that what you want? My mother screeches, you're out. You keep the baby. You're out of this house. In fact, get the fuck out. I leave the home in the dark and wander the street for hours. How the hell am I going to do this? I have no place to go. I'm sitting on a swing in a playground telling myself how stupid I am. I wander into a house around 2 a.m. My mother's sitting up. I guess because you're back, it means you'll do what I say. My mother's demeanor changes. She's almost giddy. I feel physically ill. Oh, honey, don't worry. You won't have to go to the nasty Planned Parenthood. We'll get a doctor to do it at a hospital. At about five weeks pregnant, I see a doctor. He's cold. He doesn't explain the procedure. Other than to say that my parents paid for me to be under twilight. I'll still be aware, but I won't care. The procedure will be simple and quick, he assures me. They do an ultrasound to date the pregnancy, which I turned away from my face, and schedule my abortion for three weeks later. Three weeks later, I'm prepped for surgery, I'm brought into a surgical room and given a pill. The pill makes me everything hazy and unreal. My feet are in stirrups, my mind is racing all over about what's happening. Then I hear it. It sounds like an evil vacuum, And I feel the pressure, my mind screams, "No," and then I start to scream, "No, no, 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 this isn't right. This isn't right. This vacuum is killing. It's sucking the life out of me. I'm killing my baby. No, I'm sobbing. The doctor tells me to quiet down. It'll be over soon. I don't. I can't. I'm killing someone. Not anyone, but mine. Again, he assures me it'll be over soon. Little did I know, the na- nightmare for me will never be over. The vacuum continues. I feel violated. More violated than when I was raped two years earlier. It's finally over. They wheel me out to the recovery room. I'm hysterically sobbing. My baby, my baby, my baby. I know I'm loud. The nurse comes in and gets in my face. Shut up, she says. You're disturbing the other patients. Apparently, I don't deserve the respect of a patient, and I agree. I'm scum. I'm a murderer. They won't let anybody back there, but my aunt, who works at the hospital, sneaks back. She sees my state and holds me while I cry. To this day, she's the only liberal family member who is pro-life. I've always wondered if that was the moment for her. they let me get dressed. I'm bleeding and cramping and it's horrible. They give me some meds. I go home and I'm still sobbing. Although hysteria has tempered, I lay down in a bed and let my mother hug me, the woman who gave me life, but wouldn't let me give life. You were just a kid, people tell me. I wasn't, though. The moment I became pregnant, I was a mom, and moms protect their children no matter what. I failed. Every June 8th, I'm reminded. I'm reminded every time I hear my kid's heartbeat or even their laughter that one is missing. One is dead. Because I was given a choice. I love you, little one. I always will. I was taught growing up that parents who reject pregnant teenagers are pro-lifers. This was a horroring experience. George wept, responded. So many women could have written this. It is a secret pain carried by many. It's a secret pain denied by many. and nibbles at the soul. This is the illusion of choice. Abandoned by parents. Abandoned by the father of a child. Whose choice is it anyway? The girl responds. So much love and so many heartbreaking stories of both men and women affected by abortion. But somehow... In our media, this is okay. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what the Constitution gives you. The right to murder.
6: Hate Tweet of the Day!
2: I know, it just like I, know, I do. There's nothing you can do about it. No, it's nothing. I'm leaving it's because okay. the dude is nasty okay. and there's a dog. So what? What do you want to do about it? Something. he's alive because he fought for our country. And Congratulations! Our country and Congratulations. My, my, I'm husband's, I'm dad. my husband's dad! My husband's dad did too! What's your point? Because They're, he's alive! My, husband, my husband's dead. Dead. My husband, dad fought for the f! So what? It's still nasty to me! I don't care! No, it's not! It's nasty to me! You can't I, was, I didn't think so. It's enough. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. It's enough. I didn't think so. Hey, hey. I didn't think so. Hey. What do you want to hey. do? Hey. Nothing. So shut the hell up. Hey, why don't you just calm down for thirty nothing seconds? Nothing. So shut the hell up. Like I
8: said, why don't you just stop, 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 and just. Then you have. Down they should have gone
2: She came over. She came over here. You got a choice to go okay. someplace else. What the hell do you think I'm doing? It's find you, Scotty. me. I was happily moving somewhere else. Okay, but don't get into my goddamn face. While my daughter's standing there. You yeah, call me a, f- a You are a f- That's what you are oh, for being, You're mean, approaching me in front of my doggy you. job. You're more a f- you in a Yes, you're me. No, you didn't approach me. No, no, and you, for you didn't ask me a question. You came at me. It's a difference. I got no problem with answering the questions. You came at me. So guess what? You gotta come as a I'm gonna make sure I dress it. You got the right one. Like I said, it's Oh, get the last word.
5: Stop. That's I'm sorry? I don't, I, don't
2: get the word. I don't care. Record me. And, like I said, it's disgusting to have an animal inside of a public restaurant. And, if it is here, it should be disclosed at a sectional you area. To go get no death, No debt. No death. No it's no still ball. Ball. My opinion, right. And it's not going to change think. your opinion. You ain't matter. gonna change it. You, 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 none of y'all gonna yeah, change. Yeah, I, right, think right. It's I think yeah, it's wrong. I think it's wrong. I wasn't in this all. I wasn't in this all. Get out of here. Get out
8: of here Get out of out of Just let it go. Just let it go. Just stop. Just let them go. We have
2: it tape. You can request two.
7: That's a lady coming unhinged on a vet who she knows to be a vet. African American wearing a P.L.M. shirt. Yeah, that's nice stuff. Modern producer family again. Does anyone know how Barron is doing after watching the clip of his dad assaulting a woman with a golf ball? A bunch of them. Then attacked Melania for her fake bullying. With the talk of Repealing Obamacare again. Hollywood came out. Jim Carrey showing a hurricane. While another storm heads our way, Craven Republican sock puppets in the service of shameless greed try again to ravage health care. John Cooper. It's Republicans trying to repeal ACA. You maniacs. You voted to blow it up. Damn you. God damn you all to hell. Share. New Trump care bill is worse than last one voted down by GOP. People will die from new Trump care and Trump will own it. Will he kill for a win? Takaki, Milano, Silverman, Richards, uh, J- Lauren Jagurgi, everybody jumped on it. Even the transgender actor Laverne Cox, who's an idol in our society for having fucking gender dysphoria, was quoted. Yeah, good for you. Chelsea Handler is as sick as fuck on the planet. I'm going to go on the record and say I'm sexually attracted to Robert Mueller. Bob, and it's getting more intense every day. That's cool for the resistance. Mm, okay. ABC News. Vanka Trump reveals she struggled with postpartum depression. It was a very challenging emotional time for me. First tweet out the gate. Girl, you deserve to suffer. I have horrible PTSD and depression four years, and I... Never like to hear that others are going through the same, but I wish all the misery on this hoe. A lot of black women jumping in, BLM monikers, destroying her. Razor, Hail Razor summed it up, feminism. The only feminism if you're a liberal. Yeah. Jim Oliver's producer, have a memory of President Trump. It was a picture of a baby doing a baby. Jesus Christ, dude, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with all of you?
6: Hypocrisy.
9: I had an interesting day today, I'll tell you. So last night on our show, I took a senator from Louisiana, Bill Cassidy. I took him to task for promising to my face that he would oppose any health care plan that allowed insurance companies to turn people with pre-existing conditions away and any health care plan that had an annual or lifetime cap on how much they would pay out for medical care. He said anything he supported would have to pass what he named the Jimmy Kimmel test, which was fine. It was good, but unfortunately and puzzlingly, he proposed a bill that would allow states to do all the things he said he would not let them do. He made a total about-face, which means he either doesn't understand his own bill or he lied to me. It's as simple as that. So today, it was a bad morning for Senator Cassidy. He and his co-sponsor, Lindsey Graham, spent the morning defending the indefensible. He, this morning, the senator sat for an interview with Chris Cuomo of CNN and pulled the all comedians are dummies card. There's a new Jimmy Kimmel test for you. It's called the lie detector test. You're welcome to stop by the studio and take it any
7: Harsh words, not apparently in jest. And joining us now is
9: Senator Bill Cassidy. What is your response, Senator?
3: I'm sorry he does not understand.
9: Oh, I get it. I don't understand because I'm a talk show host, right? Well, and then help me out. Which part don't I understand? Is it the part where you cut $243 billion from federal health care assistance Am I not understanding the part where states would be allowed to let insurance companies price you out of coverage for having pre-existing conditions? Maybe I don't understand the part of your bill in which federal funding disappears completely after 2026, or maybe it was the part where... The plans are no longer required to pay for essential health benefits like maternity care or pediatric visits or the part with the American Medical Association, the American College of Physicians, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Hospital Association, the American Cancer Society, the American Diabetes Association, the American Heart Association, Lung Association, Arthritis Foundation, Cystic Fibrosis, ALS, the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, and the March of Dimes, among many others all vehemently oppose your bill. Which part of that am I not understanding? Or could it be, Senator Cassidy, that the problem is that I do understand and you got caught with your geo-penis out? Is that possible? Because it feels like it is. Now, I don't want to turn this into a Kanye and Taylor Swift type situation, but when Senator Cassidy was on my show in May, he told me, He believed that every American family, regardless of income, should be able to get quality health care. And I believe he was sincere. Sadly, the bill he unveiled last week with Senator Lindsey Graham indicates that he was not sincere. It is, by many accounts, the worst health care bill yet. I have a clip that I hope will make what happened with Senator Cassidy easier to understand. This is from last night's Yankees game. So Senator Cassidy, he made a pitch. That looked to be pretty good at first, but then it took a dangerous turn and hit us right in the mouth. That's that's what happened. You see? So, um, got a lot of nice tweets, words of support today from people, from a lot of sick and disabled people who are worried about their access to health care being cut off. But I also got some words that were not so nice. Um particularly from our friends at Fox and Friends.
10: Some of these politically charged
9: Emmys may have been the lowest rate in history, but that's not stopping Hollywood elites like comedian uh, Jimmy
3: Kimmel for pushing their politics on the rest of the country. Watch.
9: Thanks, Brian. That was Brian Kilmeade. And the reason I found this comment to be particularly annoying is because this is a guy, Brian Kilmeade, who whenever I see him, kisses my ass like a little boy meeting Batman. Oh, he's such a fan. I think he's been to the show. He follows me on Twitter. He asked me to write a blurb for his book, which I did. He calls my agent looking for projects. He's dying to be a member of the Hollywood elite. The only reason he's not a member of the Hollywood elite is because nobody will hire him to be one. And, you know, the reason I'm talking about this is because my son had an open heart surgery and has to have two more. And because of that, I learned that there are kids with no insurance in the same situation. I don't get anything out of this. Brian, you phony little creep. Oh, I'll pound you when I see you. That is that is my blurb. That will be my blurb for your next book. Brian Kilmeade is a phony little creep. That's right. This is another good one. Guess who else weighed in with his opinion of me?
5: Um, Governor Christie, you come down on the Jimmy Kimmel side of the Cassidy-Kimmel Smackdown. Oh, I to the no. bill. No, no,
11: no. I, I I don't come down the Jimmy Kimmel side, well, but, Jimmy I'm not, but I'm not. But I'm not in favor of the to, bill.
12: Is to provide health care for people with preexisting conditions.
11: You're f- listen. I'm not going to get to Jimmy Kimmel. He's not a serious person. <laughs> I'm not as serious. I never got my head stuck in a
9: bucket of fried chicken. <laughs> I'm a serious person. Actually, you know what? In this case, Chris Christie is allowed to make fun of me. From him, I deserve it. And to be completely honest, I did once get my head stuck in a bucket of fried (laughs) chicken. I also got a scolding today from Senator Lindsey Graham, who's the co-sponsor of this terrible new health care bill. Senator Graham told reporters that what I said last night was garbage. He lashed out at me for not calling Senator Cassidy before I went on the air, I guess to give him a chance to lie to me again over the telephone. But I'm not going to attack Lindsey Graham for two reasons. Number one, he's one of the few Republicans who stands up to Donald Trump. And number two, Lindsey Graham happens to look a lot like my Grandma Jane. <laughs> who is now deceased. So, but, so I have a soft spot for him. <laughs> I love you, Grandma Lindsay. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Meanwhile, President Trump is desperate to do away with Obamacare. He's mad at Rand Paul for going against it. Today he tweeted, Rand Paul is a friend of mine, but he is such a negative force when it comes to fixing health care. Graham-Cassidy bill is great. O care. That's all he cares about. Because there's, no there's no way President Trump read this bill that he says is great. He just wants to get rid of it because Obama's name is on it. The Democrats should just rename it Ivanka Care. Guaranteed he gets on board. Can you imagine Donald Trump actually sitting down to read a health care bill? It's like trying to imagine a dog doing your taxes. It just doesn't compute, you know. But I don't necessarily blame him. I did more homework this week than all my years of college combined. This health care bill... It's confusing, especially for those people who aren't experts in the field. So, to make it simpler, I wanted to take a moment to boil it down in a special edition of Barista mm-hmm. Theater, okay? Mm-hmm. So here we are in a coffee shop, and this is my barista. Go right ahead.
12: Hi there, what can I get you? I'd like a black coffee, please. Oh, sure thing.
9: Uh, your name? My name is Jimmy. J I M M mm-hmm. R. All right.
12: There you go. That'll be three fifty. What is, what do, What are you doing? What was that? You asked for a black coffee. Yeah, but it's all over the table. Oh, sir, I'm sorry you don't understand. I provided you with coffee. Now it's up to the individual cup to decide whether you get it or not. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? A cup is a cup. Is it, though? We believe each cup is capable of making its own decision on whether it holds coffee or not.
9: But your job is to serve coffee. Shouldn't I for sure be able to drink it? <laughs>
12: oh no, I'm sorry, no. Putting bottoms on all the cups would be too expensive.
9: So anyway, that'll be 350 Timmy. Well, I'm not paying it. It's Timmy, by the way, and this is exhausting. I want no part of this at all. You're exhausted? Yes. That's a pre-existing condition. Your
12: new total is $387.50. <laughs>
9: That's ridiculous. I'm not paying (laughs) $387.50. Ridiculous. Actually, it is adequate and affordable. You know what? I'll just go to another coffee place. Thank you.
12: This is how all coffee shops are now. If you want your coffee in a cup,
9: go to Canada. Fine. You know what? Their president is cuter anyway. And scene. (laughs) All right, one more thing, and then we will move on from this, I promise. At the end of my monologue last night, I encouraged people who care about the subject to call their senators to let them know they care. I even gave out a phone number. Now, this video of the monologue has millions and millions of views. It was all over the news. A lot of people have seen it and shared it, but the New York Times today contacted the office of Susan Collins, who's one of the key senators on this, and they claimed at her office that the call volume she got is the same as usual. Now, if that is true... This is why things like this keep happening, because we don't do anything about them. So please stop texting for five seconds and make a phone call, especially call these senators. These are their numbers right there on the screen. If you live in one of these states, call them. It really does make a difference. And who knows? Maybe you'll meet somebody over the phone and fall in love. You don't know what's going to happen. All
6: right. Okay.
9: Yeah, Jimmy Kimball's all into it now. And Stephen
7: Miller... Uh, Kimmel threatens assault at the end there. So this is where journalists all stand up and defend Kilmeade right now, right? Because he said he was going to assault Kilmeade. Stephen Miller again. These are your rules, guys, or do we change them? Soap and Deb. If you watch the video, I believe Kimmel meant pound as mocking Kilmeade for offering fist bumps. Stephen Miller. Replying to Brian Seltzer, I interpret it the same way. Like a D-Day soldier. Then Sean Davis brings some reality in. New York Times, I think Valerie Plame was just playfully ribbing Iraq war opponents for fist bumping Jews. CNN, I interpreted the same way you did. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
7: A lot of anger. A lot of anger. It just won't end. Come to find out that Jimmy Kimmel has been working with Schumer and has been in his office a lot to fight health care. So basically, Jimmy Kimmel is a fucking sock puppet for the DNC. He now works in the Schumer office. And you watch him? Isn't that state-run media? AP and Education Secretary DeVos use a private jet to fly around the country to tour schools and attend other working events. It took them 24 hours to actually acknowledge it's their own goddamn jet. And she's saving the taxpayers money. Yeah. But, you know, don't have any credibility. Politico does it. Gigantic article. The Electoral College is a national security threat. That was written September 22nd. That That's Ten months since the election. They're still writing that shit. Charles C.W. Cook. This is invariably the last refuge of domestic political arguments that aren't working. And it's so fucking true. They won't let it go. They just won't let it go. And then there's Valerie Plame, who was defended by everybody but Jake Tapper. American Jews are driving America's wars. It was an article that was so anti-Semite. Somebody wrote her. I'm writing a story about this tweet. Would you like to offer a comment on why you decided to tweet it? Aaron Goldman. Note, only one verified account so far has liked Valerie Plame's anti-Semitic tweet. At CNN digital producer, the John Branch. A pattern, something like that. Momo, now Mostradamus, holy shit, when you read it, it is holy shit. She then tried to walk it back, okay folks, look, I messed up, I skimmed this piece, zeroed in on neocon criticism, and shared it without seeing, considering the rest. I missed gross undercurrents to this article, and I didn't do my homework on the platform this piece came from. Now that I see it, it's obvious. Apologies all, there's so much There's a chromatic AF, and I should have recognized it sooner. Thank you for pushing me to look again. Anyone buying that? <clears throat> Stephen Miller also ignore that our past tweets about greedy Jews. Provocative yet thoughtful, Cam Edwards said. Listen, I love Jews so much my nieces and nephews call me anti-Semite. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on and she supported Ben Rhodes Iraq deal and i i'm not even going to read the rest it is it, everybody everybody was jumping her except for the media who didn't give a fuck she then went in on the UN 25 million people live in the country trump just promised to eradicate this isn't a game his total authority to carry out the threat so what I'd like you to know is Baby Goat kind of sums up why I come come with this. CNN Wolf Blitzer, you promoted an anti-Semite attempt to buy Twitter. Do you apologize for mainstreaming her? That's my question. Is that okay? Is that okay now? Because all of a sudden you're on this anti-Semite thing you're supporting Antifa and saying it's okay. And you passed on Sean Spicer because he could be all right, but there's a huge picture of Valerie Plame with Wolf Blitzer. You bring her on. Stephen Miller. We really can't have Sean Spicer appear on our network because he has a credibility problem. Valerie Plame appears on MSNBC and CNN not two weeks ago. But yes, please continue with the credibility problem.
6: <clears throat>
7: yeah. Would that be tolerated if they're conservatives? We're going on this alt-right anti-Semite. We support Antifa beating the fuck out of normal people that have nothing to do with anything but going to a free speech rally who happened to not be KKK, which is what happened the last three of them. There have been no alt-right figures there. But they're still beating people up, including reporters. And you say it's the best thing ever because they're stopping anti-Semites and racists. So Valerie Plame did a Breitbart. Because all you're saying about Breitbart... Is there's been some articles that came off of sites that are anti-Semite. And they printed it. Which is what Valerie Plain just did. But that's okay, right? Didn't make the media. CNN has to do a media culpa. Nobody's having to say, do you support Valerie Plane, who's an anti-Semite? And you're all fucking hypocrites. Seth Rogen even said, if I went to a party, I'd punch Seth, or uh, Sean Spicer in the face. Blue check Democrats liked it. Women's March, before we go into our media mash. We cannot express the amount of sorrow felt and broken system deported. Our amazing activist and organizer, Ramsey Yusa. A fucking terrorist who killed little boys and girls. Heisenberg Hattie, she's a bad person. The system is meant to protect Americans from bad people. Which is scary, but more importantly, every con must condemn the KKK David Duke. Rush Limbaugh, Alex Jones, etc. Why the fuck don't they have to do this with her? That is the question I keep asking. Remember, Dems started the KKK. The Dems fought civil rights in the South. Dems hate Israel and side with Iran. I believe in my heart of hearts... The Democrats only do all this crazy shit because at the end of the day, they're covering their own blatant racists. It's so much easier to cover your racism when you tell everybody else you're a racist. Yeah. But I forgot one. Politico. Rank and file at CNN grumble at Jim Acosta's bias. (laughs) There's some grumbling in the rank and file that this isn't straight news anymore. People are going to look back at this moment and ask each and every one of us, what did you do when Trump was doing this to America, he said? What role did you play? People over there are saying, what the fuck does a major reporter say that? Why would they say that? Oh, I know, because he's a fucking liberal activist. So our media mash: CBS covers Nancy Pelosi ha- heckling. ABC and NBC didn't. MSN, DNC, Trump's a racist, and he tweets... Some tweet about a golf ball is promoting violence on women. Holt sympathized with a fucking Iranian. Rainer, Rainer, CNN's looking pretty stupid because of the fucking Russia story. But keep doing it.
13: House Minority
4: Leader Nancy Pelosi was shouted down today by dozens of protesters as she held a news conference in San Francisco to urge passage of the DREAM Act. (laughs) The DREAM Act would protect roughly 700,000 undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children from deportation. The protesters said that's not good enough. They want a path to citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants.
11: A chaotic scene in San Francisco today when pro-immigration activists shut down a news conference with House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi in her home district. The purpose of the event? Calling on Congress to immediately pass the DREAM Act but dozens of protesters interrupted calling Pelosi a liar for taking part in negotiations with President Trump to keep DACA protections for undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children in exchange for tighter border security. Pelosi eventually exited after about 30 tenths minutes.
13: Donald Trump is a racist. He isn't just a white supremacist. He's a flat-out full racist. Unless your definition of a racist is you hung somebody from a tree, He is a racist. He's been the subject of judicial hearings and administrative hearings into this. He's made awful comments over the years. He is the embodiment of being a racist, just as Ms. Huckabee Sanders' comments the other day are the absolute embodiment of censorship and should have upset every single person in America who has even a modest level of respect for our Constitution. Wow,
2: uh, and I feel, Phil, before I let you go, that I then have to ask you, because the rebuttal from Trump's polls will say, but then why is he, you know, why is Daryl Strawberry praising
13: him, or why is he friends with Don Well, that, but... But but that's one of the great things not understood largely by people who haven't thought about these issues that we had a black president doesn't mean we're not a racist country anymore that we if we'd had Hillary Clinton doesn't mean that feminism is no longer an issue we have equality by gender uh, that's nonsense and uh, after all uh, let's remember that uh, Strom Thurmond had a child with a black woman yeah. He
2: sure did. Well, David K. Johnson has woken us all up this morning. I had this cup of coffee right here. I don't think I need it anymore. I'm just going to put it inside. I'm not going to sip it anymore because David K. Johnson has us wide awake. Let me bring our panel in. Uh, Maria Teresa Kumar immediately to my left. He's the president and CEO of Voto Latino. Karine Jean-Pierre, senior advisor for MoveOn.org. Jonathan part MSNBC contributor and Evan Siegfried, Republican strategist in the penalty box. Well, Maria Teresa Kumar, your thoughts? Drop the mic and leave. Yeah, I think we right. could go home. Hey, is he gone? Good night, everyone. Good Thank good you good. for watching AM that Joy. Is, I mean, everything that he said was absolutely right. And
1: President Trump is being slammed for his use of Twitter this weekend, especially for one tweet some claim promotes violence against women. Take a look at this. President Trump retweeted this edited video yesterday that appears to show him hitting a golf ball and knocking over Hillary Clinton. I don't want to be an alarmist here, right? Mm-hmm. People love to say the media sets their hair on fire over these things. It's right. just a joke, no big deal. But talk through that tweet and what it means.
2: Yeah, I find it was both appalling and it was very revealing about um, about his state of mind. That's promoting violence against against women from the President of the United States. You know, it just brought me back to the moments you would see on the campaign trail of him and his supporters chanting, lock her up. and um, there are scenes that can fill you with a revulsion does it feel like it's getting worse because it's not just President Trump who's promoting some kind of physical force against Clinton yeah. you do have these moments of blatant blatant gross misogyny that, you know, at the hands of the President of the United States, it's, it just couldn't be more destructive.
11: Minutes before President Trump ripped Iran and that nuclear deal in his speech today, I sat down with Iran's President, Hassan Rouhani who pointed out the UN watchdog in charge of policing Iran's nuclear activities, has thus far found Iran in compliance. And he warned that the U.S. stands to lose trust and credibility on the world stage if it plays out its threat to abandon the deal. The Trump administration representatives, the president in New York, and they are putting Iran essentially in the same basket as North Korea, portraying both countries as a threat to stability and peace and calling on the world to act. How do you feel when you hear Iran, and North Korea spoken about in the same breath? It
12: is very incorrect to say such a thing. North Korea has said
14: very in a very straightforward manner that I seek
12: nuclear weapons. It tests nuclear weapons. There is nothing hidden in North Korea. North Korea is a country whom today is in the
9: nuclear club.
15: And it
12: does
9: have nuclear weapons. Iran is completely the opposite point. They're going to look at this site and say, well, that's fake news. I mean, they have successfully made you guys fake news, made the mainstream media and American uh, 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 journalism fake news. Well, they're trying.
14: I wouldn't say it's successful.
9: Well, well, they are successful with a lot of people. A lot of people discount CNN NBC, CBS... What's your antidote? The answer is bipartisan. Mm -hmm. And make no mistake about it, if there was an atom bomb dropped on us, we'd pay attention. What has happened is conceivably way worse than that.
2: Would you have him on your show? Definitely. I mean, I would not say no to the sitting President of the United States. Really? Absolutely not. Would you? Yeah. (laughs) You would? Yeah.
1: I'm gonna get bad tweets like,
6: like
1: I just I just you know the, he is who he is and he has enough attention and he has his his Twitter account and he has ways to get his message across there's nothing I'm gonna to say to him that's gonna change him and I don't want to give him a platform because it's just it validates him and for me to have someone on the show I I really I have to I have to at least admire them in some way mm-hmm. and I can't have someone that I feel is is not only dangerous for the, for the country and for me personally as, as a, as a gay woman, but as, to the world, he, he's dividing all of us and I think I don't want to represent... I just, I don't want him on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh
2: wait a second, it must not have been easy. No, it must
5: not have been easy to write this book. It, it wasn't easy. I mean, it was painful. It was horrible reliving it and, you know, being as, candid, open as I could be about the mistakes I made and talking about those, but also trying to come to grips, as I write in the book, about everything from, you know, sexism and misogyny to voter suppression uh, to the unusual behavior of the former director of the FBI and the Russians. LAUGHTER
0: How did you get out of uh, bed in the morning? Because I did not run for president and I could barely do it. (laughs) In 2000, I don't think Al Gore shaved for a year. How did you? Yeah,
5: that wasn't an option for me.
0: (laughs) You said when you were on with Terry Gross at NPR that if it's proven, if there is a deeper connection, some sort of collusion between the Trump. Campaign and Russia—that would be grounds to question the legitimacy of the election of the president of the United States.
2: My question is,
0: my my question is—I mean, I have these fantasies—but my question is, seriously, my question is, well, well what then? There is no constitutional mechanism no. to question no. the election. Our elections no. are messy. That's right. This is just what happened.
2: So, as I say in the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
5: Um. Nobody's talking about contesting the election, including me. But I do think, no, because no, no. there is no mechanism.
0: No, this is someone who believes in the
2: Constitution, yeah. unlike the guy who got the job.
6: Yeah.
14: Don't come here and tell me, Maxine, you keep on doing what you do. Maxine going to keep on doing what you do. But when you going to give me some support? How many of you in your organizations have said, impeach 45? Oh, no. Don't understand. That, that. Well, they don't have what it takes. They don't have the laws yet. Impeachment is about whatever the Congress says it is. There is no law that dictates impeachment. What the Constitution says is high crimes and misdemeanors, and we define that. Bill Clinton got impeached because he lied. Here you have a president who I can tell you and guarantee you is in collusion with the Russians to undermine our democracy. Here you have a president who has obstructed justice. And here you have a president that lies every day. Thank God that the special counsel is beginning to connect the dots and understand Facebook's role in it, social media's role in it. When is the black community going to say, yeah, impeach him? It's time to go after him. I don't hear you. Don't another person come up to me and say, you go, girl. No, you go.
7: Yeah, I played that. that That's the old... uh Reality coming out, Freudian slip. Basically, we'll say what it is. Cause we're just gonna impeach him regardless. And didn't we listen to eight years that McConnell said our job is to get him out of office? That was racist and fucked up. Unprofessional. Obstructionist. Yeah, I hear a lot of goddamn crickets. Crickets. To our stats of the day, 49ers, Rams, tickets are selling for the price of two fucking pretzels. Thank you so very much. Google and Facebook are once again in trouble with the EU for their carrying of terrorist propaganda. They're going to get fined. Yeah. For my wife, I put in this one. Pet food goes upscale with kale, quinoa, and cage-free duck. Now we have gluten-free dog food. Get the fuck back. Fast, fast take on Fox News. They're back in the lead. You're never going to hear that anywhere. For those that say ISIS is a bunch of bullshit and it just made up. Cell phone bomb found and hidden in passenger luggage by x-ray machine at Mangalore Airport in India. Remember, India's got a fuck ton of Muslims over there. But once again, it's a religion of peace. $1.8 million was stolen And DeKalb County, Georgia, where I used to have a store when I was in a previous profession. Because the guy driving the van let the keys in. And they were unmarked bills. My biggest one that I could read a whole shitload, but I'm going to just cliff note it, not to bore you. Nestle makes billions bottling water. It pays nearly nothing from. To break it down and understand, when they go in, they go into depressed counties that have low water bills, so like there's a corporate rate, or if you extract yourself, you just pay a monthly fee. In this one Michigan, no, it's not in Flint, they literally pay $200 a month. That plan alone made $366 million in sales off water. And that blew my fucking mind. As people that buy a shit ton of purified water, even though we got a water filter on our refrigerator, the thought that basically they pay pennies on the dollar for a bottle of water and we pay two bucks for it, I got in the wrong profession. In his speech, Obama just got done with and he was paid $450,000 to do. That's a stat in itself. Referred himself to 90, referred to himself 96 times. So maybe he's, he's slowed down a little bit. I'm thinking so. Uh, I don't know. In St. Louis, there's actual proof that the Democratic Party is organizing the protests. Politicians are actually organizing, posting, and telling people where to go. That's a blatant Tony Reed was right. And this October 9th, which happens to be your host's birthday, there's a call to action on it's going down, fight, uh, refuse fascism.org and all of the left. To deface Columbus Day any way you can. So that's the new thing. We're going to go out and deface statues on this October 9th. Because somehow Columbus is a racist or something. These people are out of control. To a music break. I'm going to play a Christmas song because... I just want to hear Christmas music. It's starting this week. We get in the 70s. We start to begin to fall in Tennessee. And I, am, I don't give a shit that it's September. We're going to listen to Christmas music. On the other side, we have one segment. It's a very interesting article. Paying the price for breakdown of the country's bourgeois culture. Written by lefties. Destroyed by lefties. See you on the other side.
2: Welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast with Tony Reid.
13: Read
7: of Woodlawn. All right, this was written by two Ivy League professors, Amy Wax and Larry Alexander, and the article was paying the price for breakdown of the country's bourgeois culture. It was carried all over the place, and then the left exploded. It's going to be the only full read I'll do today, because I think it's spot on. But because they took a critical look at the conservative values of our country... Or what would be considered conservative values? People were up in arms about it. Too few Americans are qualified for the jobs available. Male working age labor force participation is at depression era lows. Opioid abuse is widespread. Homicide violence plagues inner cities. Almost half of all children are born out of wedlock and even more are raised by single mothers. Many college students lack basic Skills and high school students rank below those from two dozen other countries. The cause of these phenomena are multiple and complex, but implicated in these and other maladies is the breakdown of the country's bourgeois culture. The culture laid out the script we all were supposed to follow. Get married before you have children and strive to stay married for their sake. Get the education you need for gainful employment work hard to avoid idleness go to the extra mile for your employer or client be a patriot ready to serve the country be neighborly, civic minded and charitable avoid coarse language in public be respectful of authority eschew substance abuse and crime I didn't know that fell under bourgeois but whatever these basic cultural precepts reigned from the late 40s to 60s. They could be followed by people of all backgrounds and abilities, especially when backed up by almost universal endorsement. Adherence was a major contributor to the productivity, educational gains, and social coherence of that period. Did everyone abide by those precepts? Of course not. There were always rebels and hypocrites, those who publicly endorse the norms but to transgress against them. But as the saying goes, hypocrisy is the homage vice pays to virtue. Even the deviants rarely disavowed or openly disparaged the prevailing expectations. Was everything perfect during the period of bourgeois cultural hegemony? Of course not. There was a racial discrimination, limited sex roles, and pockets of anti-Semitism. However, steady improvements for women and minorities were underway even when bourgeois norms reigned. Banishing discrimination, expanding opportunities does not require the demise of bourgeois cultural. Quiet, Quite the opposite. The loss of bourgeois habits seriously impeded the progress of disadvantaged groups. That trend also accelerated the destructive consequences of the growing welfare state, which by taking over financial support of families reduced the need for two parents. A strong pro-marriage norm might have blunted this effect. Instead, the numbers of single parents grew astronomically, producing children more prone to academic failure, addiction, idleness, crime, and poverty the left loves the welfare state this cultural script began to break down in the late 60s a combination of factors prosperity the pill the expansion of higher education the doubts surrounding the vietnam war encouraged an anti-authoritarian adolescent which fulfillment ideal sex drugs and rock and roll that were unworthy of and unworkable for mature prospered adult society thank you baby boomers this era saw the beginning of an identity politics that inverted the colorblind aspirations of Martin Luther King into obsession with race, ethnicity, gender, and now sexual preference. And those adults with influence over the culture for a variety of reasons abandoned their role as advocates for respectability, civility, and adult values. As a, conscience, a consequence... The counterculture made great headway, particularly among the chattering classes, academics, writers, artists, actors, and journalists, who relished liberation from conventional constraints and turned condemning America and reviewing its crime into a class marker of virtue and sophistication. Let me read that again. Who relished liberation from conventional constraints and turned condemning America and reviewing its crimes into a class marker of virtue and sophistication. Right now, that is paramount for progressivism. If you say something positive about America, you're an ist or an ope. All cultures are not equal, or at least they are not equal in preparing people to the productivity to be productive, excuse me, in the advanced economy. The culture of the Plains Indian was designed for nomadic hunters, but is not suited to a first-world 21st century environment. Nor are the single parents' antisocial habits prevalent among some working-class whites and anti-acting white rap culture of inner-city blacks. The anti-assimilation ideas gain ground among some Hispanics, these cultural orientations are not only incompatible with what an advanced free market economy and a viable democracy require, they are also destructive of a sense of solidarity and reciprocity among Americans. If the bourgeois cultural script, which the upper middle class still largely observes but now hesitates to preach, cannot be widely reinstated, things are likely to get worse for all of us. Would the re-embrace of these norms be the ordinary American who have abandoned them significantly reduce society's pathologies? There is every reason to believe so. Among those who currently follow the old precepts, regardless of their level of education or affluence, the hom- homicide rate is tiny. Opioid addiction is rare and poverty rates are low. Those who live by the simple rules that most people used to accept may not end up rich or hold elite jobs, but their lives are far better than they, them, than, than they are of the opposite. All schools and neighborhoods would be much safer and more pleasant. More students from all walks of life would be educated for constructive employment and democratic participation. But restoring the hegemony of the bourgeois culture will require the arbiters of culture, academics, media, Hollywood, to relish multicultural grievance polemics and the preening pretense of defending the downtrodden instead of bashing the culture they should return to in all going back to the 50s, should be celebrated. I disagree with nothing in this article. Black, white, gay, straight. If you still live by, I go out and work, I pay my bills, I don't disrespect the police, I don't abuse drugs. You have a successful life. That is why I always disagree with America is made for those that are rich or born to elite status. Bullshit. The wife and I were poor. The wife and I became successful because we decided to get off our fucking ass and go to work. We had our fun in our teens. We partied. We laid in bed all day and fucking ate meatball subs and had sex. But then, we had a child. We went to work. We put the nose to a grindstone. We paid our bills. We didn't break rules. We obeyed authority. And then one day we became the authority in our prospective fields. And we are successful. Financially solid. To these authors who went out on a huge li It's very easy to say Trump's a fucking piece of shit. America sucks. It's very hard to say America sucks because of the progressivism that has overwrought every part of our society and made people hate America and demand nothing but free. I salute you. But as one of them went on my idol John Gibson show, I'm the rarity.
4: It is, John Gibson. Uh, So I told you about this story. uh, uh, Well, the story of these two professors, Amy Wax, the Robert Mundheim professor at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, and Larry Alexander, the Warren Distinguished Professor at the University of San Diego School of Law. They both wrote this piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer about, you know, essentially if we all just behaved by the rules our parents told us to live by, the society would be better off. Uh, My next guest has uh, been tracking what has happened uh, to these two professors since they wrote this kind of obvious thing. Uh, Heather McDonald is a, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute and writes for the City Journal and took a look at what happened to Amy Wax and Larry Alexander Heather, welcome back to the program. It's always great to talk to you.
5: with you, John. Thank you so much.
4: so uh, so what was the fate of Amy Wax and Larry Alexander for uh, recommending such a radical course of living?
5: A denunciation from their deans, their fellow faculty, and students for homophobia, racism, white supremacy uh queerphobia you name it i mean you you by now i'm sure your listeners know the usual uh rote regurgitation list of every ism under the sun
4: yeah uh w- w- one of my liberal listeners was just uh, on the chat which people go to it at my website johngibson.com and they can get in on the chat but they she said oh you mean the days of white supremacy those were better days um i Is that what they were talking about?
5: Absolutely not. They're talking about a set of behavioral norms that, as they said, all people can participate in that help all people from every walk of life get ahead. Uh, They were talking about the difference between underclass culture the drug use we see among working class whites now, the rising illegitimacy rate, and the type of behavior that most affluent people of all races in this country uh, engage in, but that the elites now are no longer willing to defend and promote uh, hard work, deferred gratification, staying in school, not talking back to your teacher, things that they expect of their own children. But since the 60s on, uh, the elites have not been willing to promote those, those traditional bourgeois values to the culture at large.
4: So um, let, let's go back to Amy Wax and Larry Alexander for a moment. Um what got into them? I mean, they they live and operate in on college campuses. Certainly, they know what goes on there. You know, what got into them to uh, swim upstream in such a dramatic manner? I mean, surely they expected the backlash.
5: Well, I can speak most for Amy Wax. She is utterly fearless. She is uh, indomitable, and understands the fact that behavior today is really the biggest uh determinant of social outcomes so she has gotten pushback continuously uh but in on other things that she's written about that that supports the all-important role of personal responsibility so she i think by now is just uh Hardened to what happens if you're a truth teller on American campuses today, and and Larry Alexander, who I I know less, but uh, you know I think that he's also just been a, a a straight shooter who tells it like he sees it. You know what's interesting is I don't know what they expected, because there's a paragraph in their original op-ed in the Philadelphia Inquirer that says, well, of course, back in the um, post war era before the 1960s hit, not everybody practiced these, these, uh, these bourgeois traditional virtues, even if they paid lip service to them. And so not everybody was perfect. That, I think, they were predicting a response that said, oh, but, you know, people are hypocrites and just because they embrace a certain set of values. Publicly doesn't mean they follow them in their own lives. That's not the response they got. But that, you know, that clearly was what they were anticipating. Instead, uh, they have been now slimed with the, by the favorite, uh, reaction of the dominant monoculture ideological left on campus, which is to call everything, uh, that doesn't follow the narrative that the, Systemic racism is the biggest, uh, problem in American society today, which it is not, uh, because they didn't follow that. They are now being called white supremacists.
4: So, d- d- has this actually hurt these two authors in their you know, campus careers? Well, they both have
5: tenure, but at, uh, at UPenn, uh, there's a student move to have Amy Wax disqualified from teaching mandatory first-year law courses. You know, what's so ridiculous is some of these student petitions that are ignorant, poorly written, uh, you know, they they claim that she is, uh, subjects black students in her class without any evidence. There's things without any evidence to uh, hate speech simply because she may have talked about... Uh, the importance of behavior or whatever it's just it's a completely absurd allegation but she has received two teaching awards one awarded by UPenn law law students the other by the University of Pennsylvania at large uh for her teaching abilities so this move to have her disqualified from teaching first year students is completely ignorant but these days i have no idea the way that how that will pan out because the dean of the Penn Law School uh, has joined the bandwagon, calls her, her op-ed divisive and noxious, notices that it came out around the same time of Charlottesville, which is completely irrelevant, um, and and himself distanced er, himself from the op-ed by misreading it as uh, making a claim about cultures that it simply is not.
4: Well... So the the effect on a campus is to warn other faculty members, uh, don't go the way of, uh, of Amy Wax.
5: That's, that is it, John. That is it. The very, very few professors have the spine of Amy Wax. It's a hard thing to be in an environment. You know, you and I are in a, a sort of a, a, a conservative media world where we have people who share our views and will not uh, subject us to this kind of shaming culture. To be in a university, we can all rue the cowardice of most faculty, and I do. I am just appalled by their unwillingness to tell the obvious truth, which is that universities today are places of unbounded privilege and opportunity. But it is hard to be in an environment when you are... The only one expressing a view that is unorthodox and most faculty don't have the guts to do it. So what this means is that a certain analysis of America's behavior, America's social problems that says their poverty today is largely a result of bad behavioral choices of having kids out of wedlock, not graduating from high school and not working a full-time job, that sort of behavioral analysis is now taboo. And and that is a problem for American society generally, because it means that ideas and solutions that could well be correct are now being squelched in the bud. They cannot even be spoken of on an American campus without the speaker being denounced as a white supremacist. This is very, very serious.
4: It is. Uh, Heather McDonald, it's always great to talk to you, Heather. I really appreciate you taking the time today. You can check out uh, Heather's writings through the Manhattan Institute and the City Journal, uh, and uh, and this particular piece is uh, published in the National Review online. Uh, right, Heather... I the Wall Street Journal. I, oh, that really too. That's even better.
5: Well, I do uh, today's piece. Yeah, today's piece is Wall Street Journal, but maybe the NRO linked it. I
4: don't know. Yeah, they they do. They just ripped you off, Heather. Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. Thanks. It's John Gibson on your radio, johngibson.com on your Internet, and I recommend good behavior as a key to life. I definitely do.
7: Dare not break any of the ethos of progressivism, or ye shall be cast out. Of the group. I understand Democrats. It's very easy for you. Because of your minority status. In politics. You need every demographic. You need to play identity to politics. To win. Obama couldn't have won. Just walking out there with ideals. In 2012. 2008. Of course he could. You need that. But the effects of that are no different than the effects of McCarthyism or any other vile conservative concept that is bashed across our faces. I also throw into the mix before we go to another Christmas song because I want Christmas, damn it, and news and social media nuggets. My friends understand on top of all of this, and the breakdown of the nuclear family is turning away from some form of religion. Notice I didn't say Christianity. A wise man once told me, you have three pillars in your life. If one of the pillars are gone or out of balance, the rest of your life is not in balance. That is work, family, and spirituality. And I still believe that to be a true sediment. Sentiment probably is what I wanted to say because sentiment would be mean it's sand and shit, which is not what I meant. And now with the progressive culture that says religion is for idiots, dullards and morons, we don't even talk about God unless we're saying the Crusades were horrible and Muslims are peaceful religion that kill all sorts of people. That's the only time I've heard it in eight years. So I think it's a very great aspect of the excess of progressivism. When two liberals would take the fucking shot to write an op-ed that's solely conservative in concept because they see what progressivism has done to this country and the air that it is, is started from family breakdown. Opioid abuse. Nobody wants to work. They want the Bernie Sanders. Give it to me free. And how those ideals are so easy to pitch to the brainless masses who have been told their whole life, fuck authority. This country owes you because you got pulled out of somebody's crotch while standing on the land. Oh, you don't need to work for it. You don't need to do anything for your citizenship. You're owed it by the Constitution, which now means everything to the left. They can twist it to fit their ills, but they can't fucking say that you can own a gun or speak conservative diatribe. We're in a fucking mess, and before I die, we're going to be worse unless we get our head out of our ass and start teaching our youth You are not owned shit. You owe America. And what do you owe them? Being a good citizen. Paying your bills. Earning a living. Raising your kids not to be fucking shitheads. Everything would be a little better if we could just go back to that again. Music break news. News. Social Media Nuggets!
1: Old Mr. Kringle is soon gonna jingle. The bells that'll tingle all your troubles away. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag, cause Christmas is coming again. He's got a sleigh full, it's not gonna stay full. He's got stuff to drop at every stop of the way. is coming again He'll be here With the answer to the prayers That you've made through the year You'll get yours If you've done everything you should Extra special good He'll make this December The one you'll remember The best and the merriest You ever did have Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Christmas is here
2: the media bubble one podcast at a time
15: here's tony reed come fly with me let's fly let's fly away if you can use some exotic booze there's a bar in far bombay come on and fly with me let's fly let's fly away stop
1: Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind.
3: What brings you to Modern Day Marine today?
15: I haven't missed this for 12 years. I'm a spokesperson for the Young Marines, which is a youth organization sponsored by the Marine Corps League. And I come in every year. We have a golf game. Yesterday. How was your game? Third place. Very good. Congratulations. I had to carry them. But that's all right. We, we did well. Actually, they carried me. Uh, but life is good, and this is what we
0: do every year. What's your message out there for all the young Marines?
15: Well, all the young Marines need to stay involved. That's that's the thing. You know, it's our job to make sure that these young people evolve into proper, hard charging, uh proud young people. And and I wish everybody could be a young Marine. That's it's just it's a phenomenal organization. My my message is if you've got a kid that's eight years old. And he's having a little problem maybe, even if he's not. uh, find look in your call somebody and find out where your local young Marine organization is. Get him involved. Next thing you know, have a decent haircut. He'd be he'd be out of the skateboard pants, those big baggy pants, he'd be looking smart and sharp, and he'll fit right into society.
0: Now you are an icon for Marines still to this day, so why do you think that is?
15: You know, I've just always been at the right place at the right time. I don't know about ICON. I think most everybody in the Marine Corps knows me, and I stay very involved. I tell everybody, you know, I got retired, and the Marine Corps retired me in 1972, and I just kept showing up for work. So here I am, and I stay involved. That's it. That's the important thing. Can you indulge me? Give me a line or two? Well, every line is dirty. You know that.
0: Which... That's we it. can bleep it out in post.
15: My God. I mean, you know, I keep went, uh I, I try to find. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman. I am your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. The first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you make us understand that? That's as far as I, I don't
0: go. Don't then curse. the F-bombs drop. All right. Thank you, sir. That was amazing.
15: I cleaned that up. It was a hard job, but I did it. Okay. Thank you. Super fight. God bless.
6: Yes, Mr. Ermi there. I had to play that. I got
7: that in an email. The second sound, it appears the quickest way for a suicide car bomber to reach heaven by exploding in the sky after a U.S. missile hit him near Kukuk. And it is a beautiful video. Look it up. He gets fucking nuked and his freaking car goes way in the sky and then blows up. And I loved it. More than 2,000 paratroopers deployed to Afghanistan on short notice. Uh, 2,282nd Airborne Division paratroopers begin quietly deploying this month, part of a long-discussed troop surge that involves a 3,000 service member on top of the more than 10,000 are there. Because Trump's trying to clean that fucking mess up, and I hope he does. Bayonets, hot coffee, and dry socks. Marines still rely on low-tech gear. Fantastic article, because it goes back to that, you know, knives and bayonets and mess kits and... Things that literally any generation of soldier used. We all used it. And it's never gone away. You know, it's just never gone away. Sorry, I had to get a drink. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, a coffee cup, a canteen cup as we called it in the military, is still fucking relevant today as it was back in World War One. Air Force could ground more than a 100 A-10s as early as fiscal year 18 because their wings are going to run out. And there's a big push to try to get them fixed, um, do wing replacement, and keep them flying because as the grunt knows on the ground... And the Air Force knows it's still the best damn plane we got. It's better than a goddamn Apache any day of the week. When dealing with the warfare that we have today. CBS SEAL team shoots back at military cliches and occasionally hits its mark. Large article on it. I just only hit it because this week it starts. The Brave and SEAL team. With a guy from Bones. I'm going to give him a go. I'll do a review Next weekend's podcast. Navy nurse flips newborn the finger calls baby mini Satan on Snapchat. Want to know how to lose your job in a naval hospital? Post photos of yourself and a coworker flashing the finger on a newborn infant. If that's not enough. You can call the fresh babies mini Satans. If you're really gunning for that boot out the door, you can film yourself making infant dance. What a fucking piece of shit. Uh, her name was uh, Action News. Jacks Beth Rousseau posted the viral image showing the nurse flipping off, and of course they won't speak on it because um, I guess there's a suit going on, which takes us to our crazy. This,
8: this is this is something, man. This is this is our generation, man. All you people, are, we're all together, man, and screw and dig yourselves because it's
15: it's a whole new ball game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble
2: Instance, we have rights
15: too. To yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, no pop your figs. Save the whales.
2: Jay's in the military now.
7: We got some good, good, crazy today. Elizabeth Moss to star in a legal abortion film because it's relative today. Hollywood couldn't be clear in position on abortion. Three different films are slated to tell the story of an illegal abortion network. And the latest one boasts an actress who just won an Emmy. After winning two Emmys, that piece of shit, fucking skank, slut, cunt. I said them all. Elizabeth Moss signed on to star in yet another production focused on reproductive rights. Not reading the rest of it. I just want to say to you all... Abortion is legal in America. What the fuck is wrong with you? Why do you all feel you have to keep pushing the envelope? Nobody's stopping abortion. What they're saying is they don't want to fucking pay for your goddamn lack of maturity and getting the pill, nor should you be able to kill the baby when it's crowning, which you believe is a right, when it clearly is no longer a clump of cells. As you guys like, likes, to call it. I had a soundbite from a high school. Uh, Not going to play it. I'm just going to say, there was a high school that wanted to cover slavery. So they decided to chain kids and throw them in dark
6: closets.
7: So they could experience what it was like to be on a slave ship. You are sick fuckers, progressives. All because of the following. Students offered extra credit to determine their level of white privilege. This is a real thing. I'm not making this up. A sociology class at San Diego State University can earn extra credit if they take a quiz to determine their level of white privilege. Professor Day Elliott offered the option to her sociology class students a white privilege checklist that includes 20 questions that aim to illustrate racial privilege in some form of privilege. Here's the questions. I can arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. Black people are always with just black people. Say I'm wrong, you never served in the military. Fail. I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty much assured that I will not be followed or harassed. 75 to 85% of the time, that is a true thing. 15% of the time, I would say blacks are looked at. I can turn on the television or open the front page of a paper and see people of my race widely represented. That's a privilege. When I'm told about our national heritage or about civilization, I'm shown that people of my color made it what it is. Not in South Carolina. My kids were taught Black History Month for every month. So that That's not actually true. I can be sure that my children will be given cur- curricular materials that testify the existence of their race. I can go into a music shop and count on finding the music of my race represented in the supermarket and find the food I grew up with in a hairdresser's shop and find someone who could deal with my hair. Fail, fail, fail. All music is African-American music nowadays. If you actually look at the Emmys, or not the Emmys, but the American Music Awards and the Grammys and the billboards and all that shit, it's all black people, so shut the fuck up. All I see in the city of Clarksville is black women hairdressers. That's a fail. And in every store in America, there's every race now. Shut the fuck up on food. It's everywhere. Uh, whether I use checks, credit cards, or cash, I can count on my skin color not to work against the appearance of financial responsibility. I'm not made acutely aware that my shape-bearing or body order will take an honor's reflection of my race. I'm not reading anymore. Just shut the fuck up. It doesn't apply, but anyway. At the end of the quiz, students were also made aware of the other forms of privilege, gender, sexual orientation, class, and religion. So basically, unless you're gay, black... And you've taken your dick and turned it into a vagina. You're a piece of shit. More of the same. Gender unicorn replaces gender person on campuses. Yeah. In place of once illustrious gender person, an LGBTQ cosign of four organization has popularized a gender unicorn now making its ways around campuses across the country both graphics were created by trans student educational resources a group that promotes acceptance of queer and trans people of various self identities wow we wanted to create a gender graphic that shows how queer and trans people view gender you think it's a unicorn sex, whether referencing an array of sex characteristics or sex assigned at birth, is not exclusively determined through genitals. the group concludes. I conclude you're a fucking moonbat. Professor urges destruction of white stream intellectual habits. Professor James Jupp published a recent article in Whiteness in Education advocating for curriculum overhaul and K-12 education that teaches students to appreciate critical race and white pedologies The journal Whiteness and Education has published several similar articles this summer alone including one that called for the destruction of whiteness in all courses White Stream Cherishes Knowledge is an article published Tuesday in the White Scholars Working Against Whiteness issue of the journal Whiteness and Education Radicalized Curriculum recoding is important recoding mm-hmm. he cites the K-12 history lessons as an example noting that many K-12 students are taught through the lens of white privilege which creates problems amongst the future educators in Jupp's classes where he teaches to resist critical race and whiteness pedologies in an effort to fight this Jupp proposes a decolonizing education The creative destruction of cherished curriculum knowledge or replace it with actionable, teachable, anti-racist knowledge for race-visible teaching. Here's my thing. If you're just going to teach all black history, then aren't you a racist too? Really? Really? All we've heard this summer is no research ever done by white people should be credible anymore who's the racist now do some crazy shit police search for mad pooper who dumps and runs that's a real article folks police are searching for a woman who's been seen repeatedly defecating in a neighborhood while out running kathy Bud said her kids saw the woman mid-squat and came running back in the house to tell her they were like there's a lady taking a poop so i come outside and i'm like are you serious she then said, are you really taking a poop right here in front of my kids? She's like, yeah, sorry about that. Bud says the runner is doing it to her neighbor at least once a week for the last seven weeks. They nickname her the mad pooper. Two other times cotter caught, 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 her. caught her yesterday she changed up her time a little bit because she knew I was watching. Now the Colorado Springs Department is involved and say the runner could face charge of indecent exposure and public defecation. It's abnormal. It's not something I've seen in my career, Sergeant Jonathan Sherratt said. For someone to repeatedly do such a thing, it's uncharted territory for me. Hey, let's break it down, lady. Take a dump before you go running. That's what I used to do when I ran. Never want to run and take a dump. Dumping mid-run is a terrible, terrible thing. Gatorade to pay 300k in settlement with California over disparaging water. I did not make that up. That's a real lawsuit. They sued him for disparaging water. Water. What the fuck, Chuck? Somebody tweeted before I could, Lance Sayers, Lance Sayers, common spelling, (laughs) Haterade! And another, this is so friggin' 2017. Totally true, totally true. Netflix for theaters sending industry into frenzy. Frenzy. Which is a frenzy. The chief executive of MoviePass took a sleepy, little-known 200,000-member movie subscription service on August 15 and injected pure adrenaline into the business plan. low cut the monthly no-commitment membership fee to 9.95 from 40 to 50, enabling movie bumps to gorge themselves on as many flicks as their schedule could fit for less than a 10-spot. Just three weeks, membership spiked to more than 4400,000. Now he's going to bring in his own theaters. It'll be. With an average price of movie in the US costing 865, MoviePass will break even if Lowe's forecast holds. The privately held company, which is looking to take itself public, does not yet report results. So, this is about Netflix and they're going to start their own theaters and God help them because the rest of them are sucking buttermilk. British supermarket offers finger vein payment and worldwide first literally pay with your fingerprint that's fucking crazy I have to at least cover the, the doggone uh, earthquakes in Mexico uh, 20 school children were killed in the 7.1 of the 248 there were 20 of them were children just in one school which is really crazy um, to say the least UW-Madison student releases vile and racist anti-police video. Uh, Wisconsin state legislator vehemently condemning a University of Wisconsin-Madison student for releasing a video depicting police officers in pig masks, hanging a black male, then being beheaded with a bloody machete, a la that piece of shit who did it to Trump. It's a rubber mask. And um NKL Pickett is his name. And the video is intended to promote his new clothing line, though he promises that an explanation will be forthcoming. But that's okay for some reason in our world, and nobody seems to care at all about it. Which, once again I ask, if you chopped off... Have you wore... Well, when a clown wore Barack Obama's mask, doing a rodeo clown theme... It was racist and we never heard the end of it. To crazy, crazy, crazy that I actually watched American Horror Story. My 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 friends. This is crazy from the article. It's a recap of it. The best thing about this entire episode is when Ivy finally smacks Allie across the face. I never wanted to slap a person more in my life, and I once spent an entire afternoon watching videos of Ted Cruz on the internet. All it took for Ivy to finally lash out was her wife freaking out about the election, voting for Jill Stein, finding finding a dead body in a restaurant, shooting an innocent man on their porch, screaming about a killer clowns, deciding disco garbage truck driving through their neighborhood was poisoning them, and storing a Ziploc bag of microwave guinea pig meat in the freezer. Oh, you know, no big deal. Allie is really getting on my nerves, but I think that's the point. Between her outsized reaction to cis-normative pet names, oh, they put it in there, and throwing herself in front of a truck while demanding to know what is poisoning her, she is a snowflake social justice warrior that Bribart is always shouting about. The same goes for annoying neighbors, Harrison and Meadow, who show up at her door with sombreros and a handful of Taco Bell coupons so that an ally can... Allie can continue to appropriate and exploit Mexican culture. It's fun to make fun of the left, and it's really easy to do. Allie is far too sensitive to exist in the real world, and the squabbling between her and her similarly liberal neighbors is a bit like the infighting among liberals that resulted in the Donald Trump's victory. And I'll stop there, because that's the reason why I'm covering it. The, 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 the problem with it, nothing they've done... To date other than cover a guy literally with Cheeto dust was something that didn't actually happen. It's all true. Everything they go on about is true. Two gay moms, cultural por- appropriation, cis normative names all the crazy shit we talked about the show are now being put in, put into American Horror Story. But here's the gist. Ratings are fucking tanking because liberals are butthurt that they're actually attacking liberals. Oh, it's really fun to go on about how Trump's fucking a xenophobic, sexist, blah, 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 blah. But when the guns pointed on them, figuratively, because I don't want to get palined up in this bitch, Somehow, some wrong, some way, it's just wrong to make fun of the left. But you are a bunch of liberal fucking snowflakes. You do go on about not gendering your fucking pets. You read it on the podcast. These are real things. And everything they said in the opening one, as I covered a couple weeks ago, to this episode are real things people are saying. You people are fucking insane. You worry about the most silliest insignificant crap but worse you push it on everyone need another example Patricia Heaton decided to, to tweet Timothy 1 one fifteen to 17 or sorry 15 to 17 Timothy 15 to 17 it's hard to read because I got it like a font zero she was attacked mercilessly by the left they destroyed her. We're talking about God, which goes back to our main segment. You guys have taken us so far away from normal with all the crazy shit you care about and you freak out about and you demand that everybody else adhere to these cult like ...religious doctrine that only you know? And now that a TV show makes fun of it... ...because it's truly insane... ...and fits on America Horror Story... ...because you are the horror right now... ...the Trump resistance... ...you get butt hurt. Everybody's butt hurt about it. Every review I'm reading has been... ...oh, this is just ridiculous... They need to spend more time criticizing Trump, the real horror of America. La, 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 la. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It is now almost October 2017. I could take this podcast. I could overlay it on every podcast I've done since November 9th. And sadly, it would play the same to our lighter fare. All right, we got three sound bites today. The first thing was given to the be- by the better half, mm, GG. It's a southern thing. It's about the winter, which really cracks me up in the south. If it just gets like the 50, people act like it's arctic cold. Going to play a little bit of the Lawrence O'Donnell 8-minute of fucking freak out because um That was a huge thing for Bill O'Reilly for decades, but somehow I'm not seeing the media, I'm not seeing anybody saying how horrible that is, how he's so abusive. Once again, you're all fucking hypocrites. And then I'm going to play a very poignant soundbite. It is a BLM activist that went to one of these freedom prayer things. Of course, because everybody on the left says everything that's a conservative protest is racist, sexist, xenophobe, a bunch of rednecks with guns, and the KKK, they allowed him to take the mic, and he was blown away, but he still stayed on his high horse like he was somebody special, because he promotes the death of cops. These people
3: promote the death of nobody. Stop the hammering. Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? Where's the hammer? Is it on the, go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering. I'll go down to the goddamn floor myself and stop it. Keep the goddamn commercial break going. Call fucking Phil Griffin. I don't care who the fuck you have to call. Stop the hammering. Empty out the goddamn control room and find out where this is going on. It's either there or there. Or out there somewhere. The woman talking in my ear was talking about the Labor Day special repeatedly every time we went to a sot. Yeah, what do you mean in the conversation? Not in the Bush sot, no. Fucking out of control shit.
8: It's about celebration. So, what we are going to do is something you're not used to, and we're going to give you two minutes of our platform to put your message out. Now, whether they disagree or agree with your message is irrelevant. It's the fact that you have the right to have the message. I am an American. of
6: happiness. All lives I want to leave
8: you with this and I'm gone. You're right, my brother. You right. You are so right. All lives matter, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. But when a black life is lost, yeah. we get no justice. That's why we say black lives matter. That's why we say black lives matter. You
6: don't
8: If we really want to make America great. We do it together. All right. USA, 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 USA.
10: It kind of restored my faith in some of those people because when I spoke truths, they agreed. I feel like we had we made progress. I feel like two sides that never listened to each other actually made progress today. Did I expect to go on that stage? No. I expected to come down here, stand here with my fist in the air in a very militant way and to exchange insults, maybe some dirty looks or who knows what. If if not on a grander level, but just person to person, you know. I think I think we really made made some, some substantial steps without either side yielding. Yeah. I hope that they understand that one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement is a proud American and a Christian who cares deeply about this country, who cares deeply about the people in it, whether they are documented or not. I want them to understand that we are educated, right? That we that we apply a strategy, but we come from a place of love, right? And we really are here to help this country move toward a better place, not to destroy it. A man who controls a 4,000-member militia shook my hand and said, I always knew I identified with you, but today solidified it. Wow. One of the heads of breakers for Trump came up and shook my hand, asked me to take a picture with his son. A little blonde-head kid named Jacob, like, a special. Like, here I went from being an enemy to someone they want to take pictures with their children, and that's the power of communication. We came out, we were gonna chant, we were gonna do a demonstration, but we didn't have to. We just spoke, and it worked. here,
8: okay? Because the white nationalists, they're, they're, they're walking towards your future. What you gonna do? And again, I apologize, I know this is my brother's moment, but I'm just gonna say it because Are right now. me I'm just a tiny 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 little musician like right? little small tiny you know musician but I'm African American <laughs> African means that's what sin means American means that's where I am right now <laughs> so if this is where I am and this is America it's with liberty and justice for all thank you.
7: Sadly, the Southern thing had no audio, which I didn't catch. (laughs) So, I did not play it, but you did get your Lawrence O'Donnell meltdown. The BLM protester understanding that conservative protesters believe in free speech. What a goddamn concept. And I shoved on for good measure Measure the Pharrell emotional speech. Yeah, Pharrell. I, I, that didn't even make any sense. So all of a sudden, because Donald Trump's the enemy, even though Obama deported more people than Trump has, we're the enemy. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that makes sense. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments by email at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at dot com. FOP. Podcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Tune Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you check out the flyover politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S T dot com. Fop It's a theme. There you see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and email us. Additionally, you see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. am going to try to get a quick podcast done tomorrow or Tuesday. We'll probably go with Tuesday the 26th. It is the MRC Awards. I've already packaged all the audio. I just got to just freak out every once in a while and do some applause it'll be a very short podcast of me talking and a lot podcast of their annual awards for the quote of the year celebrity dumbass etc etc a lot of listening for you but it's interesting because it does break down my tinfoil hat how biased our media is i hope you all have a great sunday if you're listening to this if not have a great work week gonna try to get two podcasts in next week like I said Tuesday one around Friday and then we'll just do one the following week and wait for Big sis from Colorado to come down do our joint podcast which I'm really looking forward to take care my friends and as always thanks for listening let the bodies the floor let the bodies hit the. Floor. Let the